Torah Resource presents the Rob and Caleb Show. All aboard! And now, from two sides of the same state, here they are, Rob and Caleb. What up and shalom. Welcome to the Rob and Caleb Show. Yeah, my name is Caleb Hegg. Yeah. <laughs> And, uh, you know, the other guy on the other end of the uh, mic is Rob Van Hoff. What up, Rob? What up, Caleb? How's it going? It's going well. Shalom. Shalom. Hey, uh, you know, people have come out of the woodwork. During the... <laughs> we have... I was just telling Rob before we came on the show, and maybe people don't realize this, I, I took a hint from uh, one of my buddies down in San Diego... He sent me this show. He sent me this uh, this podcast that explained how one of my favorite podcasts actually runs. And these guys, Rob and I had already started to do this long time ago. But these guys basically said we try not to, we don't talk outside of the show. <laughs> and that's one of the things that Rob and I now basically. I mean, we talk a lot outside of the show. Rob is my Greek teacher, so you know we we have to talk a lot, and we work together. But anything that has to do with the show. We actually try not to talk about right, right. Be- because what what ends up happening is we talk about it and then it's it doesn't flow the same way the second time and so it, it feels forced and so now Rob doesn't even right. we'll say like pause we'll save it for the show it's like yeah it's exactly like if if, it, if we have that creep in our conversation we're like oh no no nope. we're saving that and now don't go there Rob doesn't even see my my show notes I have and this time I have so many show notes <laughs> I had to put it into two separate files. Because there's so many show notes uh, that I have. And I don't see Rob's show notes. I don't even know if he has show notes. I don't. Uh, Rob doesn't know what uh, audio clips I'm going to have. Nothing like that. So this is all fresh. But I got to tell you, Rob, people have come out of the woodwork this week. It is unbelievable. And you know, I've got, I don't know which emails you're getting, but I'm getting emails, <laughs> real encouraging emails yeah, from people. Yeah, and yeah. then I'm getting emails of people who are like fans, but then they have like pretty sharp criticisms and i'm glad just that we're just getting uh, all the the whole variety it's nice that people are actually listening we know that people are listening because now they're starting to talk to us and they're st- sending us emails some people are telling us that, that we are total morons and that uh, they hate us which is totally fine and then we have people like lois uh listener 27 23 is it 23 well i remember that because it's michael jordan's <laughs> basketball number <laughs> fair enough I don't know why. It's just a weird thing. I... Um, if you've listened to the show for a long time, then you're going to get a lot of this stuff maybe. I, actually, I'm starting to try to organize my office a little bit so that people who have listened to the show might get, oh, I forgot. You'll love this. Hang on. I forgot to even get this down. But uh, when I, for those listeners who might not know, I play the electric cello. I play in a band, and uh, my band plays shows every once in a while. The, the progression of the band has is, is been quite fun over the years. And it's been a long time. So there have been times in my life when I've been in this band and been a little bit different than I am now. Rob, I got something for those. I'm going to explain this for those listening on the radio. For those watching on YouTube, this is a special treat. I forgot to get this down, though. I wore this to a show one time. Look at that. De bling. I don't know if people can see. That is It's a necklace. It think of think of uh, what was the guy who wore the clock, Mister T? No, no, 
Uh, oh, it, just the oh, run, D, uh, no, run DMC, yeah, or Got whatever. It. Okay, he had this clock. Well, it's like the same thing except for it's this star, David. It's huge. It's awesome, and it's it's all like dime anyway. I thought that was funny. I'll that's put that bling. Yeah, I'll that's... put that up somewhere. Anyway, okay. So let's get to that. Let's get to things. There's so much to talk about this week. There is so much to talk about. Rob's already laughing because he knows. I, well, I know, but I don't know where you're going right away. So no, no. <laughs> I'm here for the ride. Normally, we we record this show on Wednesday because it airs on Thursday. Today, we're recording it a day early because there was so much stuff to talk about, and I'm so jazzed to go. By the way, I forgot to tell you, Rob. Somebody uh, asked me. If we could start doing the Rob and Caleb show twice a week, and hey. and the <laughs> right now right now the answer is no, and the reason why is because this is actually very interesting. Rob is starting a yeah he's starting a new a new show. He is starting a new show. I, I'm moving on, Caleb. Sorry, I, I I've, I've had so much success here. I had to. <laughs> it's true. He's he's doing so. Everybody loves Rob so much. They're like, get rid of the Caleb guy. Do something Actually, else. Actually, yeah. Can I talk about it a little bit? Of course you can. Go so, for it. So uh, another uh, colleague of, of Caleb and mine at Tor Resource, Gary Springer. Lovely uh, man. And I, uh, if you haven't ever chatted with Gary or had email contact, uh, then I encourage you to do so. Gary's heart uh, for the last several years has been in teaching through Proverbs it, it, for the local community. And uh, so he's been real immersed in the book of Michelet or Proverbs, uh, engaging with some of the best uh, contemporary commentaries, looking at the Hebrew text, because uh, Gary's no slouch when it comes to biblical Hebrew. And he's coming because he uh, has his master's degree in counseling. He brings the, uh, a fam- what we call family systems or living systems model uh, to understand family dynamics with respect uh, to communities and biblical living. Uh, and so what we've, what we've done, we found over the last you know, years, Gary and I would, would have a Skype call or a phone call, and inevitably we'd be, ha- be on accordance, each of us at the same time, and we'd be talking about Scripture, accordance unpacking is a, wait, verses. Hang on. Yeah. Accordance is a Bible software for those yeah. who might not know. And Keep so going. We thought, we thought, you know what, let's, we should record this. How about, and I don't know if it was his idea or my idea, but we just had this idea that emerged. Let's read through the book of Mishlei, Proverbs, in Hebrew— I mean, this is a long-term project. Lord willing, we'll be able to finish. Uh, but we're putting our hand to the plow, so to speak. And we're going to, uh, Lord willing, do a, a weekly, probably a, a roughly one hour. And we're going to read line by line through the entire book of Proverbs uh, in Hebrew. And then we'll be referring to translations and, and Hebrew words and phrases and um We'll be talking about the family systems, you know, dynamics in terms of teaching God's word, wisdom, these uh, big themes of of the book of Proverbs, as well as ancient Near Eastern background, ancient Israelite. Uh, and and But it's going to be, there's a lot of spontaneity. We're not really planning this out. Uh, what we're doing is we're calling it a conversational commentary. Mm-hmm. So it's it's called Michelet, a conversational commentary on the book of Proverbs. We're really excited about it. Uh, this next next week, I think we our first uh, sit down together session, whatever we're going to call it. We got through verse, we got into verse seven. So, yeah, and and actually, their, their first one, they sent me their first uh, their first audio. Uh, actually, it's a video. They have a video of it, and so I'm going to feature on my YouTube page on the Caleb Hegg page. I will feature their videos. So. 
if you have not subscribed to my YouTube page, go ahead and subscribe to, to find Caleb Hag uh, in your search bar on YouTube, and then my channel will be the first one that comes up. They'll have their own section on my YouTube page, and you'll be able to watch all of their videos on the YouTube page. You'll be able to listen to their audio on TR Radio, and they already sent me their first video so that I can do some intros and, and whatnot for it, and uh, it was an hour and 20 minutes. So, and what we're so much about. for that. Now, that's probably a little longer <laughs> than normal, but who knows? Well, we don't have a normal yet. We don't know what normal is. But uh, if I would just add that, yeah, we're aiming for, we're assuming our audience has some familiarity with biblical Hebrew. So this is not necessarily an entry-level type of but that uh, doesn't engagement. Mean, that doesn't mean you can't listen if you, if right, you don't right. know Hebrew. And here's a cool thing. Uh, what we're attempting to do with the technology side, now it's, we're trying to make it so it's totally listenable, so you could listen and open your Bible and follow. But if you do uh, like to use YouTube and you want to subscribe you know, through Caleb's YouTube page, uh, Gary's arranging it so that Hebrew text... His, it's a basically a screenshot of Gary's computer where you'll have the Hebrew text and you'll see translations. And if we, if we do a rabbit trail to a different scripture passage, Gary will bring a different window up. And we'll, so we're looking at the text. And if you, um, you can expand that so it's a full screen, and I think it's going to be pretty clear, pretty legible. So even if you don't physically have a Bible with you, you will be able to, like if you're, let's say you're at work or you're somewhere where you don't have a physical book with you, but you have your iPad or something, you'll be able to have a screenshot, and you'll be able to see the scriptures in Hebrew, and I think we're running the ESV along parallel with it. Uh, You'll be able to see as well as hear, um, and so we're excited about this. We're just kicking it off. Uh, Keep us in prayer, Uh, but we're calling it a conversational commentary, and so there's a lot of spontaneous discussion that comes uh, that draws on Gary's deep engage, long-term engagement with the book of Proverbs, as well as uh, the Hebrew language, the history, and we're just weaving all that together. And we're, uh, it's wonderful, it really is. Yeah. Gary's like a judo master when it comes to the Proverbs. I have, I have another plug. Oh, it's not really a plug. I just want to say thank you. Oh, go ahead. I, I, <laughs> no, I no, no, no. That's your... okay. I, you, you mentioned this, this uh, audio clip. My... My what? friend uh, Adam Cronister and his his wife Heather they just got back uh, from Israel from Haaretz yeah they were in Israel they called this their baby moon because yep. they're expecting a, a little girl mm-hmm. and we're so we're so excited for them but uh, he was able to get me this uh, oh dictionary dictionary this is a uh, I, I couldn't find it in the states anywhere uh, it, they, to, to my knowledge Milon Kis it's a uh, Milon Kis Ariel it's a this is a basically an awesome modern Hebrew dictionary. So it's for those, it's got, yeah, for those who can't see this who on the radio, no, it's, it's like the size of a phone book. But it's well, it's actually, but it's uh, it's a it looks like that. It's really, I mean, here's my hand. It's a pocket. It, they call it pocket. Pocket. Like, yeah, right. The thing's huge. But it's like thick. two inches yeah, it thick. It is thick. Like it's as thick as a phone book. But it's <laughs> it's smaller. But this is awesome. I'm so excited. Uh, I even have his little his receipt here in Hebrew. You know, I got the little receipt, and and I was going to pay pay him for it, and he said no on me, and I'm like, oh, Baruch Hashem. But what's funny? This is uh, the name of the bookstore is called uh, Stamatsky, and they are the oldest Hebrew book chain in the land of Israel, older than the state of Israel. In other words, they had bookstores set up prior to forty eight. Yeah, yeah, and so um, anyway. So this was just a, an exciting gift that is now on my desk. Uh, I've already used it a bunch of times. 
And of course, it's, it helps me grow in modern Hebrew because the entries are in Hebrew. So you look up a word in Hebrew, but then, you know, the definitions are, are in Hebrew. So it, it, it <laughs> helps me grow all the more. Uh, exciting. Just wanted to give a public thank you to uh, Adam and Heather for adding that to all the stuff. Uh, they had luggage woes, too. I think their luggage got lost like three times. They were in Galilee for two days, I think, without their luggage. And then finally it that's, showed up. That's so, happened to us at the ETS and SBL meeting, Washington, so anyway, D.C. Th- uh, thanks to Adam and Heather for uh, schlepping that back with all their goods. Okay, I need to mention this, too. Uh, I was interviewed uh, last week for a podcast that I will be on. That It airs tomorrow. It's a podcast, so I think you can listen to it anytime. It's called The Grafted in Perspective with uh, Gabriel Rutledge. I think I'm saying his name Rutledge. I'm saying his name right. A really nice guy. Uh, and I'll be completely honest. Uh, I have not listened to a lot of The Grafted in Perspective. What I've heard, I've liked. Uh, but, you know, and Gabriel is just a, a real gentle and nice soul. He, he's, I mean, he's just a, yeah, he's a real nice brother. I, I really enjoy talking to him and, and whatnot. And uh, so I agreed to go on this on this uh, podcast. I haven't listened to his podcast in depth, so I can't say you know. I, I think that he's I think he's pretty uh, pretty straight shooter when it comes to his theology. Um, but uh, I can't say that across the board just simply because I don't know him that well. But um, I'm going to be on his podcast tomorrow Friday, and uh, basically all he did was ask me about my background, my life. Uh, growing up with my under my father and and uh, messianic you know in a messianic community when I came, when my family came to the messianic community how Torah Resource got started how Torah Resource Institute got started all those kind of stuff so it's much more history than anything else of of Torah Resource and whatnot so if you want to listen to that you will find the Grafted in Perspective on Facebook you can also find uh, our Facebook fan page Robin Caleb show. By the way, I should mention this before we get into the real controversial stuff this week. I should mention this. If you go to my YouTube page and you watch this and you're watching this on YouTube and then you're like, oh, I wanted to make a comment. I disable all of the comments on our YouTube page so that you will be forced to go to our Facebook fan page. Comment on the Facebook fan page. It's facebook.com backslash Robin Caleb show. Okay. So you can't, you cannot comment on the YouTube page. Okay. Let's talk. There's a brand of people who have come forward this this week. Some people have been great. Thank you, everyone, who's been encouraging and uplifting. Some people, I'm not sure exactly what is going on. By the way, Michael (laughs) Rude. Sorry to bring his name up. Michael Rude actually responded to one of my videos on YouTube. I didn't even tell you this. I I wasn't even going to bring this up, but this happened this morning. Uh, so we have a, I have a video about, uh, you know, Michael Rude believes that John six, four sh- should not be in our Bibles, even though all, and he gets this from a one manuscript in the 13th century CE, of course. And, uh, and he says, Michael Rude actually said on air that there was no manuscripts before 400, which is totally a, a bull face lie. That's absolutely not true. Anyway, so, uh, he made a comment that P 66, one of the manuscripts, P 66, is not dated to the second century. It's much later. And that people lied about it to try to sell copies. 
this is the kind of week that I've had. Actually, on on Shabbat, my friend Derek was like, "Hey man, I listened to last week's Robin Caleb show. Did your week get better?" I was like, "No, it got worse." And he was like, "And he was like, oh man, I was going to tell you a story, but I guess I'm not now." And I was like, "No, no tell me the tell story. Me, tell, me. tell me the story." He went to a he went to a, a Bible study this last week. And everybody's like, oh, man, this book is so good. And they're talking about this book and all this kind of stuff. And, and he's like, my friend Derek's like, what book is it? Fossilized Customs by Lou White. <laughs> oh, man. For those who are just now listening, we have an award that is inspired by that book. It's called the Ways Award. I'm not even going to let you know what it's for. People can go back to our show where we made the award up and listen anyway okay so enough of that let's get to this email this is an interesting email we get email we've gotten a lot of emails and thank you everyone for writing us whether you have told us that we're idiots or not we still appreciate your email and uh and it it spawns conversation for the show this email rob just just said to me did you get this email from this person i'm not gonna mention her name uh and I'm not going to mention anything about her or anything like that. I don't actually know anything about her. All I know is her name and her email address. That's it. Um, it's kind of weird, her her approach. And if you're listening now and you know who you are, then uh, you know don't take any offense to this. But, the, but I, her approach is a, a little bit odd. She's like, oh, I love the show. And, you know, this is everything that's wrong with it. Um, <laughs> which is fine. That's great. So this email is long, but I'm we're going to read this whole thing because there there's so many everything that she says I want to address. She says I would like to say once again that I very much enjoy your show. Just a few thoughts I've had miscellaneous feedback. Okay, so this is what, you know, and now she's going to tell us everything that's wrong with the show. Troy Miller. Okay, go ahead. No, go ahead. Go, you know. I was just going to say, you know, there's probably people, you know, I wonder, this is a kind of a, a broader perspective, how many people out there have had these types of thoughts that this email expresses, but have not taken the effort to actually yeah, send an email? I'm thankful so to this person. It, yeah, th- th- it's, 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 it's great to get the feedback because there's probably people out there that are thinking all sorts of things, have opinions, and have not uh, bothered to take that other step. So, um, yeah, to this person, I'm once again, I'm not putting you down. This is, honestly, we're happy about this email because we now have this will take up a significant amount of time. In fact, there's I doubt we're going to get to everything that is in my notes. We'll have to push some of this uh, over to next week. Anyway, okay, let's let's go here. Uh, so this is uh, Troy Miller. This is the headline of this section of her email. Now Troy Miller is the guy who uh, put Rob on a wall of shame. Uh, he would not answer my question as to who who he uh, studied Hebrew under. He he wouldn't answer my question because he's never studied Hebrew. That's obvious because he he kept posting uh, he kept posting Strong's numbers in his in his response. So I mean, it's obvious that he didn't st- study Hebrew anywhere. Uh, she's so anyway. And by the way, to our friend Justin who left the uh, the comment on. <laughs> on our Facebook page about nothing says 1998. Like, oh man, that, that was spot on. That was, that was ho- classic. That was hilarious. If you don't That's know what like, we're that talking about. Like, yeah, the nineties called, they want their website back. Yeah, exactly. You know, that kind of thing. Okay. So <laughs> she says, I noticed that you did not respond to anything he said in his, in his document. That's not true. We did, which shows a similar theme to the statement that Rob made earlier which does not prove anything. Uh, that's absolutely not true. We responded. Rob uh, t- took 
Yeah, well, Rob t- Rob talked for I don't know how long about the idea that, that Troy Miller believes that all Israel and the rest of the world, the entire world, has collective... It's a collect- collective amnesia theory. Collect- yeah. but, but, but what it is, it's not a conspiracy. It's actually that uh, the creator of the universe caused... Everyone. ...to forget. So there's no, and, there's no records. There's no nothing. It's just everyone on earth had this collective amnesia. And not only that, that, it, that even though the prophet Jeremiah, in, at the end of the first temple period, wrote the Book of Lamentations and, and um, uh, said the words prophetically that uh, Troy Miller is using here, he's applying it to the fourth, that, that prophecy didn't come true, I guess, until the fourth century common era. Or it's weird. It's like Jeremiah did not mean it there, or or. But then there's also the quote of of uh, I think it was Amos, to where maybe I, I think Troy Miller might think that they forgot the Sabbath and were keeping like the wrong day of Sabbath through the Babylonian exile, and then they came back and got on track again. They were keeping the lunar Sabbath, and Yeshua he says kept the lunar Sabbath, and then it was like by the three hundreds or fourth century somewhere, there was a collective mass forgetting well it, and now all no one knows but it's not just it's it, but for troy for troy's theory to work it couldn't just be israel it would have to be all of the world because you have all these writings of people talking about uh, uh the jews uh keeping the sabbath on the seventh day and how they and you have christians keeping sunday yeah you know before the fourth century anyway but, so yeah. so we we addressed that so i'm not sure what she's talking about then you also addressed so uh, t- no offense but i don't think you listened very well to our last show you, you also addressed the fact that uh he and this goes to her next thing she says to clarify the lack of response no response to the topic except to show how uneducated troy is or to say that everything he said was nonsense or to complain about the length of troy's response Troy well, likes, I don't think it was a complaint. I, what, I didn't hear it as. A, I heard it as, "Wow, they re- he really took something that was." Hang on, just a sec. I'll complain yeah. about his responses in his emails. I asked the guy one question: "Who'd you study Hebrew under?" The guy sent me probably twenty pages of email responses. I kept asking him the same question. The guy likes to hear himself talk. That's and all there, there is to it. He never answered the question, and he never answered the question. So he he likes to hear himself talk a lot. That that's true. But the other point is is that the, yeah the, we talked about how uneducated he was. One of the things that proves that he's uneducated is that he continues to he he used he kept referencing this encyclopedia which Rob talked about last show. I'm not even sure why I'm, we're having to re say this. Yeah. Our listeners listened. So you know if by if the you, way I would encourage people you can go to like I think it's like jewishencyclopedia.com or so it's it's all been scanned I mean you can it's down you can download the PDF But the, uh, now that encyclopedia wasn't even done by by Jews like well, believing no, I mean, Jews they, or non-believing Jews they they, they were, were just they were, they were atheists Jew, a lot of I think most of the uh, they were secularized Jews though that for the most part they believe, they did not believe in the divine authority of the Torah. They thought that ancient Israelite religion was, a, was just a new thing that was um, built of stuff taken from older Babylonian religions. Okay, hang on just a sec. The, the, her final thing, this is her final comment on Troy Miller. I'm thankful that Rob took the time to crystallize his thoughts a bit, and even more thankful that Troy took the time to thoroughly respond to Rob's thoughts. I think that she's a lunar Sabbatarian. And most of all thankful that Rob pointed out that Troy had made an intelligent response. I'm not sure if the, if that was the word used, and if that is the word if that is the word used, uh, Rob, I disagree with you on that. 
His response yeah, I was... I don't remember. I'm not sure what his, she's talking about. His, his, Troy's response was not intelligent. It was long-winded. It's hard to follow. Hard to follow. He, it's, we're thankful that he, that he you know, likes to put his thought forward, but it was, it was nonsense. You know, he makes it sound real good so that uh, the the people who are a little bit less learned in in Bible stuff uh, don't know what it, you know, they, they just say, oh, well, this sounds really good. Yeah, I'll glob onto that. But it has absolutely no the, basis in truth. Yeah, the general thrust, from my perspective, reading Troy Miller's uh, material, is that his prophetic reading of, of the English translations of all these sources. Quote marks. Tr- Trump's yeah. uh, that his prophetic uh, uh, warrior kind of angle or posture, Trump's just hard work of educate, like learning the Bible languages. You know, I mean, learning the ancient Near Eastern history. You know, it's like there's. Uh, I think he very much sees himself in the role of a prophet, bringing new revelation in an end time scenario uh, from out from the margins of the established learning. And I think that there was something in, in this email too, that we're talking about that has to do with education. I suppose we'll get there, but this idea of if you learned from certain, like if you have certain Hebrew dictionaries, they were done by an occult person (laughs) or, you know, and so you can't trust anything except what you get from your English translations. And what, what I think, uh, might not be fully, uh, uh, understood in in these types of circles are the fact of the dependence, the very fact of the English Bible that they're drawing on was a product of people who had studied the Bible languages and tried to understand history. So what they're doing is they're just choosing to take a snapshot of this product of that, of academic study of uh, ancient history it, it, and Bible languages, rather than what's happening today, very real in like SBL or ETS where you're uh, we're hearing uh, what people who are engaged in the languages and the archaeology of the ancient Near East and how their uh, implications for understanding certain parts of Scripture. They're totally disengaged from that world, and they're choosing uh, 19th century thought, you know, like this Jewish encyclopedia from the 1800s. He's quoting all these guys from, like, the 1800s. Um, but <laughs> it's like, why are you choosing those people? You know, those people, you know, they didn't have the Dead Sea Scrolls back. There's so much information now, even the translation of Philo that he's leaning on. It shows a total lack of education. Yeah, yeah, and they're not looking at the Greek of Philo says the month consists of 30 days, and, but they don't quote that scripture. And what they don't understand is that Philo idealizes the number seven over and over again. So he's looking for sevens. So when he talks about the seven days of the cycle of the moon, he's thinking very ideologically. Also, he, inclu- he says there's seven planets in which he includes the sun and the moon. Do we, should we follow Philo on understanding the sevens everywhere in creation? No, by no means. Philo is, uh, has an ideal of this number seven, almost in this mystical cue source. Kind of mystical oh, wait, seven. I got it. Hang on just a sec. This mystical cue source. <laughs> okay. Hey, well. So, but anyway, we don't need to go there. The point is... You've proven from in your response yeah. to, to Jansen that uh, Philo... Uh, anyway, okay, let's keep going here. This, is, this email is really going to get under my skin here towards the end, by the way. So put your, put your seatbelts on, ladies and gentlemen. She says, education. It seems that you have several definitions for education. No, I don't. No, that's not true. 
I don't recall hermeneutics. I love this line. Oh my word, I love this line. I don't recall hermeneutics being taught in scripture. (laughs) Oh my word. Um, Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. Anyway, uh, (laughs) hermeneutics, to me, I think that that shows that she doesn't understand what what hermeneutics are. Well, she puts it in quotes. Yeah, but I mean, does she not understand what hermeneutics are then? Do, do our listeners no, not I mean, understand? She, I think what? she says Psalm one nineteen teaches us, you know, that we just need to use the word of God. But does that? But mean that. But that. What do you think? Her, do we use the King James? Yeah. Wait, mean, what? What? What is? I mean, it seems to me like that is. A, so let's read the whole quote. She says, I don't recall hermeneutics being taught in scripture, though I do recall that all of Psalm 119 and particularly the sum of thy thy word is truth is the guideline given to us. There is not one hermeneutic. It's not like you just say, let's let's teach hermeneutics, like uh, a hermeneutic, like there's one overall hermeneutic. A hermeneutic is how you interpret the Bible. So the fact that you could even look at the sum of thy word is truth and interpret it in any way, shape, or form says that you're using a hermeneutic, whether you want to admit it or not. To say that hermeneutics isn't taught in the Bible, the only way that you can read the Bible and have any modicum of understanding of what it's saying is because of a hermeneutic that you're using. That makes zero sense. Anyway, okay, let's keep going. Almighty YH does not care about your tradition or what you think is true. Okay, I agree with that. He wants you to follow him. Agreed. The way to do this is by proving all things and holding fast only that which is good. And how would that be done? Through using hermeneutics. Before we do that, that, uh, yod hey meaning yah, I guess. Almighty yah does not care about your tradition or what you think is true. I... I'm not sure where she's going with that. I think he does. He cares about what we think is it's true. true. Absolutely. If he wants, in other words, he cares about us because he wants us to have the truth. That's now, why he gave us the Bible. If, if, so I, but I, I think what she's trying to say is he, he doesn't care about false tradition. Yeah. He doesn't care about traditions that are not, that are not uh, stemming from, or that do not reflect his glory. I would agree with that. But I just because something's tradition, and this, this tags into a different conversation we're having, just because something's tradition doesn't mean it's bad. Exactly. Um, but we have to understand tradition is different than the Word of God. But So these are categories that, let's just maybe set that first sentence aside, because I think it's problematic. Okay. Yes, I agree with the second part. He wants us to follow him. Yes, absolutely. We learn, so she keeps going, we learn this by searching the scriptures daily to see whether these things that we've been taught are true. Absolutely. That's true. And you know what, though? That's what, and this is what school is. When people go to school, when people go to, to college and whatnot and seminaries and are put to the test, this is what happens. It's not like that you sit down and they say, this is what you believe. This, here's the book. This is what you believe. believe. X, Y, and Z about it. And yeah. we'll test you on it. That's not, how, that's not how school is. And maybe that's the perception that some of these people who are, all against, who are so against education think. 
What they do in an educational institution like Torah Resource Institute, you come to the table, you are given tons of different writings, contemporary with uh, Yeshua, all the way up to modern writings. They all disagree with each other. That's and they're all they're all engaging with the same primary sources. They're all talking about the same thing, but they're all coming from a totally different perspective and usually disagree with each other. And your teacher doesn't say this one's right. He says, "Read these now. Tell me what you think." And you're—that's what school is. You're having to try to find truth. That's why these guys like Troy Miller, who come out with all this nonsense, they haven't been taught to think. They have not been put to the test and, and shown. Look, when you when you come to the table with a source, you have to you know you have to deal with all these other sources. You have to deal with all these other problems. You can't just take a, a, you know an eighteenth eighteen hundreds encyclopedia from atheists and say that this is truth. It doesn't right, work right. like you that. You have to defend your sources yeah. and, and, and to defend your translations. Here's another thing too: a difficulty that this person and Troy Miller would have is that they're just taking, it's like they're using these English translations that they just take for granted. Exactly. This English translation is, this is God's word. And then they build upon that English translation. And they build, they go all sorts of places that are like, wait a minute, let's go back. Can you def- tell me why you're using this English translation? Yeah, and, and, they, and they defend that what you're telling me this scripture means has all these radical implications for the whole body of Messiah. But you're building off work that somebody else did that you're just taking for granted without actually going back and learning the language. And well, I mean, most of I, them are, are not just a reference to Strong's concordance. Yeah, because that, that's I mean, the point. That's the, the point. Forget. Remember and forget. Remember and forget. These are key words, Zachar and Shachach, right? We have these in Hebrew over and over and over again. It doesn't mean it's not to forget like the way Troy Miller is trying to say it means. It's like, remember the Sabbath day. It's not that we forget it. So Remember that we observe and it. forget our covenantal yeah, terms. Yeah, exactly. Their covenant, and I think uh, Tim Haig's written an article that's free. You can download it on uh, the covenant meaning behind uh, remembering and forgetting. It's like when God remembered Noah. Does that mean like God, like totally, just like I am forgetful? Like I'm like, oh, I left. Where are my keys? I, I left some chicken in the oven, and I <laughs> I forgot, and I run upstairs, and there's smoke. You know, that's not what it is. When God remembered Noah, it means he was. He, there was a time God was waiting, and he brought uh, – He there was a covenant, right? He knew what he was going to do. We need to understand these terms. And so right off the bat, there's an example where someone's taking a word, like forget in English, and they're using modern conception, modern cultural context of what forget means outside of any covenant. And then they're importing that into the text, and then they're going around teaching – as if they know what they're talking about. Look, and here's the here's the other issue. When a person uses Strong's concordance and keeps referencing those numbers, what that shows to us is that they can't even use a dictionary. They're using because it's not a dictionary. Because it's not it's a dictionary. A they can't even to use the it. King James, and oh. I think now they have one. Too, okay, we've NIV. we've talked about not, this, but it's a concordance. It's we, not a dictionary. It's not a lexicon. We've talked about this so many times on the show. Okay, uh, I would really. So I'm going on with her email. I would really like to get a clear definition of what type of person you consider to be an educated person. Okay, Some... I'll, let's stop. Go. I'll, I'll answer. In the body of Messiah, an educated person is a person who is a student. They have a lifelong 
uh, attitude of a, of a learner, a disciple learner, and they are actively engaged with learning. And that involves listening and learning to people who have come before them in the body of Messiah and are increasingly oriented to a skill set for service within the larger body of Messiah. Okay, it hang does on. Not have to, it doesn't have to be in the scriptures. In other words, a person can be educated and growing as a disciple in the body of Messiah, and it doesn't necessarily mean they're learning biblical Hebrew. It might mean that they're learning... Okay, but hang on just a sec, Rob. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw my hat in on this one. You, okay. you, because I would say this. Someone who's going to put up a website and is going to put themselves forward as a teacher... and someone well, I who, agree with that. If we're in the realm of here where we're teaching Scripture, part of education, the educated person in the body of Messiah is someone who lives in the original languages and of is trying at least trying this yeah, guy this are, guy that, that is their anchor and it's not they're they're not building off english translations but they are immersed in the original languages and there's no way the bible doesn't teach us how to speak hebrew or how to read hebrew the bible doesn't teach us how to read greek and efforts like you know time and again the lunar sabbath people i've talked to and met and read their stuff. They're not anchored in the original language. Well, they're using secondary, all these secondary sources that they're building from. Second of all, same thing with the people who are into the Paleo Hebrew. Uh, <laughs> the same thing. People are trying to interpret scripture in a shortcut manner. It's yep. shortcut scholarship. Well, they're look trying at, to do a drive through. They're not doing the hard work. Let, let's, let's, I mean, okay. Uh, the people, there are people out there right now. Okay, Troy Miller, one of them, who has put himself forward, who is giving people doctrine that they should live by unto God's word. In other words, make doctrinal, life-changing decisions according to what I'm saying. Who have never, they, they haven't done any work in the original languages. David Perry is another one, so-called doctor. Yeah, right. Dr. David Perry. Guy has never done any work in the original languages. Uh, 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 what's his name? The Paleo Hebrew guy. Who's that guy? Yeah. I mean, all these guys. Michael Rood never done anything in the original languages. These guys can't even read the book that they're trying to and, tell and you. Typically, there's a, a a trumping. They think prof that some sort of prophetic spirit that they That's have right. granted is trump is trumping, meaning meaning is more important and. Uh, takes the wins the game over any person who would even question whether or not they've read the Bible in Hebrew or Greek, and um, they're just leading people down the primrose path to 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 falsehood, itchy ears. That's right. Okay, and you know I think part of the I think people like to see institutions challenged. You know, people like to see. You know, oh, my! I grew up at this X, Y, and Z congregation, and the pastor, you know, didn't know anything. And now there's almost like, I, I know he's wrong. And the reason I can even imagine that is because I went through that phase where it was like, oh, you know, the institutions are all wrong, and I, I need to learn this afresh by myself, you know. I'm not... Um, I'm not sure what she, with this lady, she talks about Zondervan here. It's somebody who looks at this scripture in the original language not wanting to learn from Zondervan. Or other occultists. Oh, I don't know. Or other occultist lexicons. Occultist, maybe. I, I know oh. the guys. I know many of the people who work at Zondervan. What, what in the world is that supposed to mean? I, I mean, you are skating on thin ice 
because that that to me is judging someone and their and their and their salvation. Zondervan is a publishing company. There are hundreds of people who work at Zondervan, hundreds of God-fearing, wonderful people. You know who works for Zondervan? Wallace, Daniel Wallace. He's he's been in charge of probably uh, 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 helping translate a Bible that you read. You know who else? Uh, our uh, Mounts. Mounts is one yeah, of the le- publisher. They're authors. For yeah, but Zondervan. but who's publishing them? Zondervan. She says the lexicons that Zondervan is publishing. What are you well, talking here's the, about? Here's the thing. Where she says is somebody who looks at scripture in the original language. Does she mean Troy Miller? Like that. That's the per- like she she believes that Troy Miller's looking at the scripture in the original. Like yeah, he's just looking at it. He's not reading it. <laughs> he's not translating it. He's just looking at it going, oh, that's a chet. That's a No, I don't even sheen. think he, he can't even do that, I don't think. The guy, is he, he spends all of his time in Strong's. Let's move on. I I can hear my our listeners being like, okay, dead horse, you're beating it. Okay, so yes, this. so I consider someone who's looking at the scripture in the original language, that doesn't tell me whether they're educated or not. I don't know if they're reading it. I don't know anything. They're just looking at it. Anybody can look at it. I can look at a Chinese Bible. Doesn't make does that a bit mean of difference. Does that mean I'm interpreting it? No. Okay, what is a sponsor? I don't know where she got this from. I think I was talking about sponsors in terms of money. But she she says, to claim that you have no sponsor, when now this is where I'm really going to... I know we have a Hoff Goes Off clip now, but I this is, this is going to be... Yes, I, this is going to be loudmouth goes off. To claim that you have no sponsors when clearly Torah Resource is your sponsor. Okay, Torah Resource is not a sponsor. Torah Resource is the radio station and the company we work for. It's our job. Torah Resource is, that's what this show is. We're from Torah Resource. It's not a sponsor. Torah Resource produces this show. So I don't understand what in the world that means. Torah Resource is and your sponsor. And limits what we have to say. And limits what we have to say is is not quite the way you see it. I don't know what that means, especially when you admit that you would have liked to have have invited Matthew Jansen to appear on the show. And Caleb's well, we can, fa- Oh wait, hang on just a sec. Hang, hang on just a sec. And Caleb's father Tim Hegg vetoed the decision. Let me get a couple of things straight right now. Okay? Matthew Jansen does not believe in the same God we do. Okay? Matthew Jansen believes that that the Messiah Yeshua is just a man. That's what he believes. He believes he's a man. I don't. I believe he's Yod Vavhe. We believe in a different God. I would not, and my father, when I asked my father, I said, hey, you know what, we're thinking about having this Jansen guy on, but I don't know. What do you think? He said, no. The guy's going to come on the show and he's going he's gonna to blaspheme the name of the Messiah. He was right. Why would I want to bring someone on this show who's going to blaspheme my God on this show to other people and say he's just a man? Get over yourself. And not only that, but beyond this, beyond, beyond all that, my father happens to be the producer of this show. So yeah, he does have veto power. But when it came to Jansen, Rob and I were finally the ones who said, yeah, he's right. We shouldn't bring this guy on the show. Why would we want to degrade the name of the Messiah? And to be honest with you, I think this lady is probably in the same place. I'm not saying that she is, but she seems to really uh, puff up Jansen and and uh, Troy Miller. I would assume she's Lunar Sabbath for sure. No, she she believes that Yeshua is not Yod Hey How do you because know that? In a, in a other oh um, okay, well then yeah, 
then I'm, you know, I wouldn't bring a Mormon onto the show to talk about their Mormon, Mormon beliefs. Why would I do that? It's total nonsense. Everybody she knows says that. The New Testament clearly indicates that Messiah Jesus is a separate individual than the Father Yod Vav Hey. Well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't uh, bring that so. up on the, I wouldn't bring that up on the show because I mean, oh man. Yeah. So basically, just to clarify, that we're not talking about a veto or limitation. We biblically we seek multitude of counsel. That we have, yes. we have, we're encountering ideas, and we're we're not presuming that we're just going to have the, the right wisdom to step forward. We have to remember the bigger picture is as many people out there that we stir up that disagree and send us these emails. We get a lot of emails of people who are blessed, edified, uh, grateful for our conversations, and. We we that's a that's a responsibility. We want to feed them with according to what Torah resource is all about. And there's no apologetic. There's no no shame. There's no apologies for for us sticking to our message. Well, it, it, look, Torah resource from day one, when my father started Torah resource, his goal was to have a high level of scholarship. How is that done? You know, these guys who are flying solo, most of the time we run into huge problems with, with what they're saying. And the reason here's, why... Here's three examples, three examples. If we, just, if we just said, oh, whoever, all these people that contact us and give us alternative ideas, we'd be talking about... We'd, be, we'd have so many different con- <sighs> contrasting voices, uh, and it would be like, it's like our opinion would, would go to the side, and we'd just be like, oh, this week we're going to host... This guy who believes in, you know, this. And this next week we're going to do this. And people would be like, we would yeah. be giving no guidance. We would be not have any responsibility in the realm of steering people towards right thinking, right but, biblical thinking. And that's our core you, you said it earlier, and, and this, is, this is a point. My father, when he writes an article, he doesn't just write an article and put it onto our resource. That's not how it works. We use the wisdom of the scriptures. The scriptures say that there is uh, wisdom in a multitude of counsel. When my father writes something, he sends it to me. He usually sends it to Rob, and he usually sends it to sometimes Ariel, sometimes Gary. We all read over it. We all look at it, and we give him feedback. We'll say, no, this." I've said to my father, you can't say this. This is not said right. You know, people aren't going to understand this. He's changed things because of that. I know he's changed things because of suggestions Rob has said. The same thing happens with Rob. When Rob writes something, he he posts it for all of us to see. It's totally private. Nobody sees it. We all go in. We read it. The same with me. Even on And this goes for even my own personal blog, not even on the Torah Resource blog. On my own personal blog, anytime I write something, I have my dad read it. I usually have my wife read it. I have my mom read it. And why do I do that? Not because I'm looking, just looking for spelling mistakes, which I, you know, yes, that's true. But I'm looking at it because my father numerous times has said, you can't say this. This is not right. You know, and then we'll talk about that. What, you know, what is he seeing that I'm not seeing? There's been times, even if I'm, uh, like, if I'm composing an email, then I know that I'm, I'm uh, on the verge of that where I might be uh, getting emotionally charged and getting off point. I'll bounce it off Caleb or Tim or Gary and say, hey, correct me here. I, I'm feeling internally that I, I want to say something. I'm, I want to be clear. I don't want to hurt feelings, you know. And, and we need each other that way. We yeah. need each other. We're yeah. not just, you know, it's so, not like charge. And, you know, it reminds me of <laughs> uh, on the, the, the Torah portion from a couple of weeks ago. 
Remember, they, uh, they're complaining about the, you know, the spies, 10 out of the 12 spies. This is on the three-year cycle, of course. They're complaining, oh, we're never going to make it, you know. The Nephilim are there, <laughs> right? I mean, that's, you know, which, you know, they're just, it's just fear and all this stuff. And Caleb and Joshua are like, let's do it. Let's, they're just like on point. Let's just take it. Well, what happens? Later, they repent. All the people repent. And then they say, we're going to go. We're going to go now. We're, yeah. And Moses is saying, no, no, don't go up because God's not with you. Well, it, they go up anyway and they get, to, they get slaughtered. And it's like, we got to learn from that. We got to learn that we need that counsel so that we don't get anxious and excited for the wrong cause. You know, we, and we need each other for that reason. And, um, you know, Here's funny, a funny thing. You know, it, co-authorship is not a bad idea. We talked about Matthew Jansen, and I think it was John Cord- Cordoba. Sorry, I apologize, John, if I missed your name. I don't remember. But in any case, they wrote a book saying that Yeshua is not yod And that's fine. You know, they, they wrote this book a couple of years ago because they agree on that point. But John does not agree with lunar, sh- lunar Sabbath, whereas Matthew is a Lunar Sabbatarian. So these guys co-wrote a book, but they're not even on the same page in terms of God's calendar. So with a Torah resource, we are co, you know, we bounce our ideas off each other. But when it comes to the core things, we're, we're totally in agreement. Yeah, that's right. And um, that's, just, that's just the machine. That's just the, the well-oiled engine that's running here. And uh, the show comes as fruit from that machine, from that organized effort. Yeah, anyway, okay, so uh, I don't know. People can think that we're just, uh, you know, hiding in the shadow of Tim Hag. That's totally fine. That's my job. My job at Torah Resource is to make these guys look good. My job is to make Rob's, is to get his writings and his teachings out there so people can see him. And the same with my father. I'm not a teacher at Torah Resource. I shoot my mouth off on this radio show. And besides that, I'm behind the scenes trying to push all these guys forward. That's it. Anyway, let's move on. We've spent a lot of time on this, and that's totally fine. It's something that needed a lot of time spent on it. Before we go on, I'm going to play this uh, for Rob because I found it just for you. Rich Quando! Um, okay. <laughs> he was the inspiration for my Hoff Goes Off that's theme right, song. That's right. Okay. Um so now this is going to take a little while because uh, uh, for those who don't know what's going on, I look on our Facebook page. I posted the video that we're going to be talking about. Um, there's this video that has been circulating now. It's it's gained a whole lot of of um, flack from different. A lot of people have liked it. A lot of people haven't. Okay, basically uh, these guys make the case that the oral Torah was not given at Sinai and that it was an invent. The oral Torah was an invention of the rabbis. Okay. And that, uh, yeah, that's, you know, the there it's made by Israelis. The whole thing's in Hebrew. Okay. They're Christians They're They live in Israel and they make some really great cases. I like so they're Israeli Jewish Christians. They're Jewish believers in Yeshua. That's right. Yes. Living in Israel. Yes, and I took this uh, took this video. I posted it on my personal Facebook page, and I said these guys pretty much hit the nail on the head. That has gained <laughs> some exposure 
and we're going to talk about it. So if you haven't seen... Haters going to hate. Haters going to hate. That's right. If, so if you haven't seen the video, please feel free to go to the Robin Caleb Show fan page on Facebook. It's facebook.com backslash Robin Caleb Show. Take a, look at the, uh, take a look at the video, and it's like eight minutes long, okay? Pardon me. Okay, so first of all, our our I, I you know our acquaintance. I don't know. I know James. I've met him before. Apparently, I honestly don't remember meeting him. James Piles writes a he's he's a Christian, I believe. That's right. Uh, he goes to a Baptist uh, church, I think. I don't know. Anyway, I'm not going to try to misrepresent or represent him or misrepresent him in any way. James Piles uh, writes My Morning Meditations, okay, which is a blog. He's done writing a lot for FFOZ. So he, uh, he states, you know, I'm just going to go through some of these quotes. I have pages of notes on this uh, because, anyway, so he says, uh, consi- this is on his blog. Uh, he says, consider this recent video that has been circulating the various social v- media venues. Here we have Jewish people saying some rather unkind and perhaps inaccurate things about the oral law and rabbinic Judaism. Okay, now I will admit that there's one thing in the there is one thing in the video that I disagree with that they say, and they say it several times. So it's not like I just uh, agree 100% with this video. However, James doesn't seem to um, he doesn't seem to to tell us what is really wrong with this video. Uh, I said I find it. Interesting that Pyle says that Jewish people said unkind things and perhaps inaccurate things about the oral law and rabbinic Judaism. What unkind and inaccurate things? He doesn't really tell us what those are. And not only that, but he's wishy-washy about about these things. Okay, He goes on, and this is still Pyle's. Uh, I know I'm probably going to get some pushback for the last comment. This is, you'd have to read the blog to get this whole thing. But I think of Hebrew roots as Gentile Christian. Now, this is important. I think of Hebrew roots. Now, I've, I've always had a problem trying to uh, separate Hebrew roots and Messianic Judaism. He says, but I, I think of Hebrew roots as Gentile Christians expressing their devotion to the Messiah using Hebraic practices within primarily non-Jewish community. And Messianic Judaism as Jews and associated non-Jews expressing their devotion to Messiah within a holy Jewish religious cultural and community context. Okay, so if that's the case, then he's seeing us, he's seeing my, my fellowship as Messianic Judaism, okay? Given, and now he goes on, given those definitions, it stands to reason that Hebrew roots will take a traditionally Christian stand that is a low view on many aspects of Judaism, including the authority of the rabbis and oral law, while Messianic Judaism and as a Judaism will take a high view of those same elements. I don't. I don't take a high view of uh, the, the rabbinical writings as oral law. I don't that see... Sound, those definitions sound... Uh, kind of like I think what Boaz Michael laid out. That's right. In Tent of David, yeah. uh, that sounds a lot the same type of categorical, you know, departmentalization. Okay, so um, I I wrote some thoughts on this. I said uh, Piles neglects the fact that the so-called rabbis of the first century that are so wonderfully hailed by the by many Messianic Jews with his definition, are contemporaries with Yeshua, Paul, and the rest of the disciples. If you're going to call these guys rabbis and their writings rabbinical writings, then surely we should also call Yeshua, Paul, and the disciples rabbis and their writings rabbinical writings. With this in mind, I certainly believe in oral Torah 
and the writings of the rabbis. I just follow a specific set of rabbis and their teachings. What I'm saying is, is that, sure, I believe in the, the, the writings of the rabbis. When I say that, I mean Yeshua, his disciples, and Paul. They were all Jews in the, in the first century, the same time as Hillel, Shammai, Gamliel. Right. They were in synagogues teaching specific interpretations of the scripture of the Jewish uh, scriptural canon and they very and and they were willing to die for their their grasp on the Torah and words and they they produce books and but but here's the difference the later rabbis are just they each have opinions right it's this is the opinion of Rabbi Eliezer Rabbi Judah says this and then later on it'll say the sages say this or you know it's all it's these opinions going around the thing is with Yeshua, what Yeshua taught, Torah meant, was not opinion. <laughs> you know, this is what it means, period. You know, end of discussion. Same with Paul. Same with Peter, Kepha, you know, and Yochanan. You know, they, they were teachers of Torah. They were teachers of the prophetic tradition. They were in synagogues teaching, raising up more disciples for Yeshua. Yeah, and I- it was not opinion-based. It was not opinion based. Like, you know, I say Deuteronomy eighteen means this, and then and then Peter says, Well, actually I'm not sure that points to Yeshua. It might point to Israel as a people. You know, I mean or Isaiah fifty three, like, well, you know, it could be the Messiah, it could be the people of, you know, it wasn't like rabbinic literature at all. Yeah. Um but but the point is is that they and pro- they never called themselves rabbi. Of course, Yeshua was the, was their rabbi. They they, they were pro- disciples. They produced they produced this corpus of oral Torah or written down uh, you know law and whatnot that they that, of their teachings and I follow that and I follow it as scripture. It's my oral Torah and I don't understand why that should not be considered oral Torah. It, it in a Jewish sense, it's just as much oral Torah as the Mishnah of the Talmud. I reject the mission in the Talmud as authoritative over my life. I accept, and, and that doesn't mean that I don't accept some of those parts as non-authoritative, but things that I like, right? You know, I, I, have you ever done Tashlik service, uh, Rob? Yeah. Yeah, so have I. It's tradition. It's tradition. There's nothing in the Torah that says you need to go to a body of water and throw bread or rocks or whatever you want into that water to represent your sin going but away. Just because, just because I say that the rabbinic, uh, the rabbinic writings are not canon doesn't mean I hate the rabbis. Okay, we're going to get doesn't to mean I hate. We're going to get to that in just a second. Hang on, just a sec. So, but believe it or not, in this whole thing, and I have not. Rob and I haven't talked about this. We've tried deeply to not talk about this. It's been very hard to not talk about this all week long because we've been getting it from every side. Believe it or not, Rob, the shining light in this uh, debate, well, actually, I shouldn't say that because I disagree with one of his things, but Stuart Dowerman, who I disagree with strongly on many things, and uh, I'm, yeah, anyway, Stuart Dowerman wrote a blog post on this. Uh, It's called On Not Bashing the Oral Law and the Rabbis of Israel. So, he sets this thing up with a very short little paragraph, and then he says, first objection, and this is to the video, okay? He says, first objection. They said that the rabbis invented the oral Torah as a means of controlling the Jewish people after the destruction of the temple. That's not true. I mean, it's true that the video said that. It's not true. That's not true. I don't think that it was a malicious idea. And Dowerman puts this well. He he basically says, look, the rabbis didn't come along and say, ha we're going to control all these Jewish people. No, what they did was they they said, we need to uh, help continue on our our uh, 
you know the the Judaism essentially the our belief and our and uh you know the the way that we uh and I wouldn't even say necessarily the way but we need to continue on uh observing the Torah and we need to continue on uh loving the Torah and whatnot and how are we going to do that well they they codified what is the mission in the Talmud Dowerman asserts that the mission was written down by 200 AD I disagree with that I think it was much later than that um, and I know that Rob and I probably disagree a little bit on when the, the Mishnah was actually written down. When do you think the Mishnah was codified? We don't know. I mean, even within Jewish tradition, there's this difference be- that, that Yehuda Hanasi yeah. compiled it orally. In other words, he, it was a composition. It was a textual uh, redaction, basically, of traditions he had received from Rabbi Akiva's disciples and elsewhere, and he kind of tried to codify it down, and he actually just had it memorized, and it wasn't necessarily written, but it was memorized and taught. And then another tradition in uh, uh, Jewish history is that he actually wrote it down. Uh, but in any case, that it's agreed that he composed it, whether it was written exclusive or, or oral exclusively oral is we don't really know for sure. Um, but I would I would point this. Uh, you said that they they thought uh, to preserve Judaism. This is a point that uh, the rabbis had. They do not use the word Judaism. Yeah. They have no conception. Okay. If you were to take a time travel back to the second century, and you'd ask Yehuda Hanasi what uh, uh, you talk about this word Judaismas, he would have associated that with Maccabean uh, rebel, uh, you know, uh, uh, militia pushing against the elite that had gone Greek, you know, and, and that whole thing, they, they wouldn't have a self-conception, uh, call it Judaism, like we like Jews do today. So uh, that's... Okay, okay but, but, but we can but, quibble on all these little things around the edges. But, but the point is, is that, that, that Dowerman's right on this issue. He's right to, to say that, no, the Jews didn't, you know, the rabbis weren't sitting around going, how do, how do we control the people now that the temple's destroyed? Let's make an oral Torah and write it down. That's not how, you know, it wasn't to control the people. I, right. I, and as a matter of fact, we have uh, all these synagogue communities, even in the Byzantine era, you know, after Constantine. Um, and we just saw, uh, I think it was Professor Jody Magnus, who leads a lot, some of these excavations in, up in the north, northern Israel, um, that show thriving synagogue communities that, didn't seem to comply with with the rabbinic conception of the world. In other words, they're, they're, if we want to call it Judaism, whatever it is they were doing was synagogue-centered life, uh, remembering the stories of Israel like Samson and the Maccabees, but uh, they were not under rabbinic authority. The rabbis were just a marginal discipleship groups, you know, outside of this mainstream, even, even into, you know— to the 500s, 600s. Uh, so the rabbis didn't all of a sudden take over "quote unquote" Judaism. I mean, that's just yeah. a, that's an old model that doesn't stick. Well, okay, it's Dowerman's second objection to the video, and I disagree with this. He said he says they said that there is obviously no such thing as oral Torah, since this is not mentioned in the Tanakh, but only written sources are. That's not actually true. That's not what the video said. The video said that there was that the oral Torah was not given to Moses on Sinai. In other words, that the, uh, the written Torah was given to Moses on Sinai, and obviously there was no oral Torah given to him. And and, the, and the, from the if you watch the video, they're talking about the oral Torah. They're talking about Mishnah and Talmud. We have to understand. Some people might wonder, well, what's this oral Torah? Basically, what emerges, and this is an invention of the rabbis, by the four hundreds, 
and and maybe a little earlier, is this doctrine of two Torahs given at Sinai. It's yeah, a it's yeah. this idea that that Moses received two distinct Torahs at Mount Sinai, one in written Torah Shebiktav in Ketav, which is written, and Torah Shebaalpeh, and an oral Torah that is, a, 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 it was a text. It was like an oral, a revelation of oral information that is Torah just as much as the written Torah, not less authoritative, not more authoritative, but equal to and separate. And that it was transmitted generation to generation, preserved orally, all the way down through the, you know, uh, through the Babylonian captivity and back, through the times of the, just the establishment of the Second Temple, all the way through what they call the Zugot, which is a Greek word meaning uh, pairs, um, and to Hillel and Shammai, and then uh, right, right up to the rabbis of the Mishnah, you know, uh, Yohanan ben Zachai, um, uh, right through Rabbi Akiva, all the way up to uh, Yehuda Hanasi, um, and that this is like their genealogy. It's like their credentials of having this Torah that is separate from Scripture. It does not need scriptural support in the time of Yehuda, in the early Tanitic period. It is uh, teaching that is said to be authoritative, even though it's not in Scripture. Mm-hmm. And that it's authoritative just as much as written. And not only that, it emerges in a time where you have a lot of believers in Yeshua, among them, many of them, Jews, up through the 4th century, that are believing that they believe the gospel and they have the scriptures, they have the Tanakh, and they're interpreting things like Isaiah 53 as Messiah, or they're interpreting Deuteronomy 18 as pointing to Yeshua. They're, uh, they have very specific apostolically uh, legitimated interpretations of the tradition that they're coming to the rabbis with. And the rabbis are saying, no, you don't have oral Torah. You, you can read that all you want. You can read that written all you want, but you have to be a disciple of a rabbi in order to truly know how, what Torah means and how to live a Torah life. And that's where this, what, what I call a myth, uh, the myth of the two Torahs at Sinai, mm-hmm. oral, written. But what we have today is that the people who are promoting, who, are def, are, who don't like this video, are trying to say, oh, no, there was an oral Torah. There was an oral Torah. And what they're doing is they're trying to, here, remember, this, was, this video was given in Hebrew. And when they, what's translated into English as oral Torah in the subtext, is Torah Shebaalpeh, which is part of this myth. It's part of the myth. You can't, we can't just think, oh, you know, it, that it means some vague thing, and we can mean, oh, it just means that there were traditions or Jewish traditions. That's not what, that's not what Torah Shebaalpeh is in the rabbinic literature. It, Torah Shebaalpeh is one half of, of a double revelation at Mount Sinai. Preacher, brother. Yeah, and so... I think that Dowerman and some of these other people, they're not making that discernment. They're failing at that one place. They're failing to discern that in the rabbinic texts that talk about Torah Shebaalpeh, it's talking about a dual revelation of Torah that excludes Yeshua as being a possible Messiah. Yeah. Well, you can't, you can't have Torah Shebaalpeh in the Talmudic era and have Yeshua be the Messiah. 
You can't have them both ways. And what we have today is people who say, oh, I love Jewish tradition. I love to, you know, I kind of read the Talmud, maybe an English translation. I love reading the Mishnah. I love doing uh, the blessings that are preserved in them and, and practicing certain things. But what the, and then they're saying, so there's this kind of this vague oral tradition, oral Jewish tradition that goes back. And they're, they're kind of romanticized a contemporary limited view that's available in English. And so their criticism of this video comes from an, a ver, very American-centric English Judaism, a Judaism that has been, uh, that has been mediated through translations of Jewish works. And they've kind of bought this idea of a, of a Messianic Judaism by accessing rabbinic texts through translations uh, rather than looking at the original sources. When we look at the video in its context, what these guys are doing, they are in Israel. I've talked to a number of people, Jewish believers in Israel, who get bombarded and get ridiculed by these pious Jews who are thumping oral Torah and say, Yeshua can't be Messiah, and trying to to undermine their faith and shooting arrows at their faith in Yeshua because they are reading Isaiah 53. They're reading uh, Torah apart from the commentaries, apart from the commentaries, which is Torah Shabbal Peh. If you don't have the commentaries, you can't understand what the scriptures mean. And that's the angle that these pious anti-missionaries like uh, Yad Le'achim uh, is one of these anti-missionary groups in Israel. Uh, they go after these Jewish believers in Yeshua and try to say, look, you are apostate. You need to come back under rabbinic authority. You need to keep Torah Shabal pay. And that's what these, the video is trying to minister to believers in Yeshua in Israel who are getting hit left and right by these rabbinic groups that are telling them that they're idolaters, you know, and that they need to come back to true Judaism, which is under rabbinic authority. Um, and that's what these guys are trying to do. These guys are trying to give an, a, an accurate historical picture of the development of the idea of Torah Shabbat Al-Peh within rabbinic history and to show that it's much newer, much, much newer than the apostolic writings and that they don't have to be afraid. They don't have to let these uh, pious ultra-Orthodox uh, proponents of oral Torah in yeah. Israel undermine their faith in the gospel and their confidence in the Word of God. And so, but what we do is we, we forget that that's the context, and someone uh, translates it and puts it puts an English subtitle. We read the subtitle. Someone emailed me. They typed out all the English and sent it to me. And then they're arguing about the English. And it's like, here again, we're not dealing with the sources in the original. We're dealing with our English translated, mediated uh, little world. Um, and then that's my little world, you know? And it's like, no, that's not good method. That's not a... That's not just weights and measures, and that's not hearing out a matter okay. fully. Let's 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 move on to uh, the next the next post here. Let's just uh, you know go back to the Torah. Okay, so um, <laughs> um, we had one more post. This by Peter at uh, Orthodox Messianic Judaism. Peter wrote this. He, he took a screenshot of my Facebook post as well. He says, okay, deep breaths. The guys at Torah Resource don't agree with me on everything. In fact, they apparently hate something that I love. That is a total misrepresentation. Because, we, because I said that I thought that the, the video pretty much hit the nail on the head. 
Now, the teachers at Torah Resource hate the rabbinical writings. I'm not sure. Is he talking about Mishnah, Talmud? Does he, you know, here's the issue. Rob Van Hoff has not only studied, he not only went to school to study these writings and has done extensive work in these writings, but he teaches classes on rabbinic writings. Well, I would say I would, I'm an ongoing student of... Okay, yeah, uh, yeah way okay. to be humble, but still, this, uh, what, a, what a horrible, horrible thing to say. We hate, we apparently hate something that I love. That's absolutely yeah. ridiculous. Yeah, that, that was, that really, dis- that made me feel, sa- I felt hurt and sad. It's a low blow. If it's, someone knows... It's a lie. It's a, it's yeah, a lie. It, it, it shows like someone's trying to get, they're trying to get, they're tr- they don't have any content. Yeah, to exactly. Deliver, any fresh edifying food to offer. So what they do is they want to create, bring words like hate, I, you know, to suggest, uh, you know, they apparently hate. Oh, well, he used the word apparently. Well, the idea is he, it's this contrast. It's trying to get a rise. It's trying to be provoking. Right. Yep. And it's not contributing. Okay, so hang on. Let's keep going. But reality check, what we love, unites us more than what we hate. So now he's just taken out that we apparently hate something. Now he just has swapped it to that unites us more than what we hate. Okay. And further reality check, someone's position on the traditions shouldn't affect fellowship. I'm not sure what he means by that. Does he mean that if the oral, oral Torah uh, contra- makes it so that believers can't fellowship together, w- then we should throw it out? If so, was that given at Sinai or not? So I, we emailed, uh, I emailed uh, Peter on this. And I said, yeah, what's up with the hate, you know, blah, blah. He wrote back. And it was quite a long inter- interchange. This is what he put in one of his emails. The video makes three claims. One, that no traditions whatsoever were given to Moses. Two, that God hates all oral traditions. Three, the rabbis slash sages were just a bunch of conniving, manipulative, power-hungry Jews. Those are their claims, and I break it down here. Okay, when he said that and wrote that to me, I honestly thought, oh no, there is a longer version of this video that I haven't seen. And I posted I thought the same thing. I, I thought the same I, thing. I, I, I like I posted the short version of this video, not realizing there was a longer version, and now I'm you know, I've totally stepped in it because I like no, I should I shouldn't have you know, I shouldn't have posted that. No, there's no longer version. <laughs> so uh, let's see here. Let me, uh, <laughs> I, I, I don't know what else to say except for uh, that is a total misrepresentation. It's a total misrepresentation of, um, of what was going on. I'm trying to find, okay. So I, I'm not to the place where, especially, um, you know what, here's the thing. If you're even going to imply or hint at hatred these days, Hate speech, you know, you get into hate and things like that. Those are strong words. I, I mean, I, I, I can't imagine myself. What would it take for me to even suggest that somebody else hates something? You know, I, it would take a lot. Uh, okay. And I was, I was really surprised that that uh, he chose that type of communication. And, and it just reminded me of a sensationalism, kind of like trying to sell a, the ma- you know, the magazines that are there at the grocery store checkout line. You know. They're try- they have all these sensationalist uh, 
headlines to try to get your attention. You know, okay, it's, it well, reminded me of that. He, he, he's, he's highlighted these. So number one, okay, he, he, he says that the video claims, number one, that no tradition whatsoever were given to Moses. Then when you go to this post that he posts, he has highlighted no oral law. This is a quote that he says is from, from the video. No oral law or of traditions unwritten that was supposedly transferred by word of mouth. He's highlighted that. So that's what he's getting, uh, that no traditions whatsoever were given to Moses. The actual quote from the actual movie is, obviously, oral law, and that, that's this, this word that uh, Rob was talking about, you know, this phrase that they're using for this corpus of, of rabbinic authority, was never given to Moses on Mount Sinai. The Old Testament testifies very clearly that God's covenant with the people of Israel was based only on the written Torah that he commanded Moses to write. In Exodus 34, 27, God commands Moses, write these words, for in accordance with these words, I have made a covenant with you and with Israel. No other law is mentioned. No oral law or of tradition unwritten that was supposedly transferred by word of mouth. But the sages tried to force us to think that the oral law was indeed included. So they're not saying, so this assertion that they say that no traditions whatsoever were given to Moses no, that's, that's not what they say. They're talking about oral law. They're talking about oral Torah. So that's not true. That's an untrue assertion by Peter. Assertion two, that God hates... I, I do that every week, don't I? That God hates all oral traditions. <laughs> that is... I couldn't find... I went back. He sent me the full... Te- I it's read, a lie. I skimmed through it. I watched the video. And once again, it's a lie. It's not true. It's simply not it. true. Um, so he highlights this part which says always in a negative way. That's what he's getting. God hates all oral tradition. Uh, So this is what the claim actually was from the video. Okay. They quote Joshua one eight, and then they say, God is saying to Joshua that he should do everything that is written in the book of, of the law or book of law is what they, is what their uh, translation says. God is not spec uh, specifying and not even implying anything in regards to an existence of an oral law. That was passed on to him from Moses. Therefore, already since the beginning, we see that the, that unbreakable historical continuity did not exist at all. But we should mention that wise men, traditions, and commandments are occasionally mentioned in the Old Testament, but always in a negative way. That's true. I don't understand. The tradi- and, then they, and then they quote Amos 5.21 and Isaiah 29.13. That's true. That- yeah, I, I, I didn't understand where Peter was going with that. Well, it's, uh, the assertion that God hates all oral traditions, that the video says that, that is simply not true. And I don't know, he, it's, it, now it sounds like he's trying to twist the video so that he has some kind of... Uh, I'll give an example where we could say uh, the Greek translation of the Torah. Paul quoted from that. Yeah, exactly. You know, but but it, no, nowhere in the Torah does it say, does it endorse... You know, So that's an example where there's a... Apparently, it's, there's no problem reading the scriptures in Greek, you know, or, or using the Greek scriptures to share the gospel. Okay, well, then, uh, you know, that, that wasn't a problem. Well, they go on, and actually, they go on and clarify what they say. So they quote Amos two, two, uh, 5.21 and Isaiah 29.13. Then they go on and they clarify what they say. God is expressing his anger with the people of Israel because they follow commandments made by man exactly as it happened, as it happened 
is happening today with the oral law, and this is that buzzword again, that the rabbis invented so they can have the power and the control over all of you. Now, I understand that they, that, that, that is not that last statement is an untrue statement. The, the rabbis didn't invent the oral Torah so they could have control over all of the layman. That's not true. Okay, so I understand. That's the, that's the problem I have with this video. Okay, that's the one problem I have, and this is one of the instances. But that I they... could understand how in Israel today, in Israel today, you have Jewish Israeli believer in Yeshua, who is telling a, a rabbi who doesn't believe in Yeshua about Yeshua, about the gospel, about Isaiah fifty-three, and that rabbi's pushback is, "No, you're the one that's outside the covenant. You're the one that's uh, idolatry because you're not, you don't understand Isaiah fifty-three because you're not reading it with the commentaries with our oral Torah, and therefore you're the one who's out." And so that person's like, "What do I do? Is or is he right?" Yeah. Is, is this rabbi right? He's telling me that I need to go to his viewpoint. I need to adopt his perspective that oral Torah is authoritative and that actually Isaiah 53 isn't talking about Yeshua. So, so this, these people in this video are trying to reach that exact interaction right there and to reach those Jewish believers in Israel to say, no, don't let this rabbi play that card as if you are somehow... Uh, on bad ground, or you're not on stable ground by anchoring your understanding of who Yeshua is with Isaiah 53. Don't let them play their oral Torah tradition over you to try to control you. That's my understanding. That's what I think they're trying to do. They're not telling. They're not talking to people in in America. You know, otherwise, you know, they're in Hebrew. Someone later went and, and added, added this yeah. English well, ending. And Peter's third claim actually was in reference to that last part that I read. So. Uh, the video says God is expressing his anger with the people of Israel because the, the, they follow commandments made by man exactly as it is happening today with the oral law that the rabbis invented so they can have the power and the control over all of you. So from that, Peter gets that the rabbis and sage slash sages were just a bunch of conniving, manipulative, power-hungry Jews. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't think that... That's... that's, that's yeah. yeah, so he, he makes them out to sound like they're white supremacists or something. Anyway, you know what else they say in the beginning of the video? There is no doubt. So, so this is what they say in the beginning of the video. There is no doubt that the Talmud is an impressive compilation. 2.5 million words in 63 historical books, which are full of human knowledge, with arguments between wise men and with Jewish folklore of culture and tradition. Wow, they really think that the, those sages are conniving, manipulative Jews, don't they? Totally ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, the assertion, first and foremost, that we apparently hate something that that uh, Peter loves uh, is it's offensive. And quite frankly, yeah. uh, it's offensive because there are people in this office who have who have spent thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars and countless hours to study those exact books. Well, here's the thing, too. We don't even have to look at You could look at someone like Jacob Neusner, who, yeah. you know, whatever, whatever you want to say about Jacob Neusner, he's like the most published humanities author in all the 20th century, one of the biggest voices for uh, Jewish tradition in post-Holocaust uh, academic world and in popular writings, and who devoted his life to translating uh, almost, if not all, most of all, or with the help of his students as well, all the rabbinic, ancient rabbinic corpus, mm-hmm. everything from the Mishnah to the Tosefta, the Jerusalem Talmud, the Babylon, you know, 
Babylonian Talmud with commentaries, a lot of commentaries on the challenges of Judaism in America today, post-Holocaust and post-State uh, uh, of Israel. You know, how did Jews in America learn to navigate these new symbols of Jewish identity, the State of Israel and the Holocaust, you know, with respect to the ancient rabbinic sources. Um, devoted his life to teaching and translating. So whatever, it doesn't matter what your opinion, whether you like Jacob Neusner's work or not, he has... He has proven himself. Yeah, he's been in so many different areas. There's going to be some places of his teaching that you're going to agree with. It doesn't mean everything. But all that aside, whether you agree with Neusner or not, he's not a self-hating Jew in any case who's devoted his life to that. He would tell you the same thing. He would tell you, yes... The, this doctrine of two Torahs given at Sinai, one written, one oral, is a myth. Yeah, exactly. It's a myth. It's something that was developed not in the—no one would have heard of that in Yeshua's day, that there were two Torahs given at Sinai. Exactly. Uh, it, it's just—it it emerges post—pretty much right with or post-Constantine. Uh, Constantine. It's this, it's, it emerges at a later historical time, and to— uh, you know, to think that somehow it goes back or that we're criticizing something as it's like anti-Jewish or it's hatred. You know, you, it, it, it's evidence to me of someone who's not even read contemporary Jewish scholars of rabbinic texts who, who are devoted their life to studying and learning, trying to understand these rabbinic, uh, ancient rabbinic worldview and what the texts are and, and things like that. It's not a function of hatred, and it, it saddens me that people go there, that that's like a go-to place, you know. You're a hater. Yeah, exactly. Or, or you're apparently a hater. Uh, I, it, it doesn't contribute. It, it just adds to the noise and the reaction and the emotional, uh, you know, governance of everything rather than breathing, patience, connectivity, staying with the Word, staying in Scripture, Oral Torah is not a biblical category. It's no not in there. Doubt. I don't, you know, uh, I don't care. You know, it's just not there. You know, and so for us to argue about what Oral Torah is is, even, it's like, and what, and I, I made this point, I think, in an email to somebody. Christianity or, or Christian is a word that's in the Bible, and it, and it's hard to define. Judaism is a word that's in the Bible, and we can't def- agree on a definition of that. So if these words that are actually in the Scripture that are tough to define, why do we need to throw this other idea in here? And then, you know, it's, it's not helpful. I think we need to seek uh, to think with the categories that the Scripture provides. Take every, captive, or every thought captive to Messiah, to be anchored in walking in the core of the Torah, which Yeshua tells us what that is. Love, you know, love God with all your heart, soul, your strength, love your neighbors, yourself, and understanding one Torah perspective in a, in a trajectory of a promised theology that we seek to walk this out and learn and grow where God plants us, bring forth fruit for his kingdom in our local communities, and, and go from there. Uh, not trying to... Uh, shoulder, oh, you need to have X, Y, and Z rabbinic tradition. Otherwise, you don't. You're not really keeping the Torah because you. there's an oral Torah. There's this other revelation to Moses that the scriptures aren't giving you. You don't have everything you need. 
You know, I mean, that's what the voice is. It's like you don't have everything you need. Mm-hmm. Um, you need more. You need what I have. And if you say you don't need it, then you're a hater or you apparently hate something. You know, I, I don't get it. I think that view is headed for a deep mischief. Okay. Well, hey, uh, we've gone uh, we've gone quite a long time. You know, I don't know if our audience have, has noticed, but uh, we've started we've started going a little bit longer. Actually, the funny thing is that we uh, is that I had planned. I haven't told this to Rob either. I had a whole nother. I don't know what you'd call it. Segment section, whatever. A whole nother. A whole, and I had all these video clips that I was gonna like audio clips that I was gonna play and whatnot, and we were going to discuss this, it could probably take up all of next show. So maybe next next uh, week we'll, we'll hit on that, and uh, yeah. Uh, I, final point, final thing, real quick. Yeah, go for it. I, I think it's important that we understand multicultural uh, issues. I think that's built into our canon. We have Greek, we have Hebrew, we have Aramaic. Right there, just on a language level alone, we have to learn to think in different worlds. Just there. There's a little bit of Latin even in the Bible. Um, there's Persian words in in the Tanakh. You know, there's we're dealing with this sort of uh, within our canon the obligation to understand different language and different understand cultures can vary. There's extreme value in the rabbinic, ancient rabbinic writings and even in rabbinic commentaries up to today. I'm not telling somebody not to to Listen to that. But discern between apologetics, someone who's coming out to try to defend oh, this, uh, this flag. They have this flag banner called Oral Torah, and they're trying to fight for it and defend it. That's, that's, I, I don't think we need to go down there. We don't need to go on the Oral Torah march you know, of Washington, D.C. or anything like that. What we do is let's look at our sources and let's evaluate in light of the scriptures. And that's, the advice is no different than if we were reading the Dead Sea Scrolls, if we're reading Philo, if we're reading Josephus. Or, or any of the early church fathers, for that matter. These are important historical sources, and we, we have them all out on the table, and we understand that they each are voices from specific times in history, specific cultures, and we want to do our best to grant those voices their place in history. But to take, to take something, to kidnap something from the Talmud, from the Babylonian Talmud, and then demand that a believer in Yeshua who wants to stick to the Gospels written in the first century. So we're going to take something from the fifth century and demand that its presence be there when we interpret something from the first century. Is That is not just weights and measures. That's tipping the scales. That's, that's yep. like changing the weights. And, and that's, if someone hates something, God hates uh, uh, a, un, what do you call it? Uh, Unbalanced a weights. Dishonest and, yeah. scales. Yeah. That's what God, God hates dishonest scales. So my challenge to those who are pro-oral Torah, my challenge is to you is to question yourself on the just weights and measures uh, commandment. Well, my, my challenge to you is to uh, start viewing oral Torah as what Yeshua and his disciples yeah. if there have was given us. Place, yeah, I can say maybe. Use that, but that's but that's not. It's even. But now we've changed the meaning of it. Sure, you know we've but, changed the meaning because because rabbinic oral Torah consists of varying opinions, and all the opinions are preserved as words of God. We're going to follow. We're going to follow our rabbi, whereas Yeshua speaks the truth. Yeshua did yeah. not. 
have a, a mere opinion like Rabbi Akiva had or Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi. He didn't just have an opinion. Yeshua had more than opinion. Yeshua had spoke the very truth, the very words of God. So there you have it. Follow what our great God and Savior, Yeshua the Messiah, has